0: Today, Dr. Patrick will be speaking on spiritual economics, the adversity gift. On behalf of our spiritual community, we extend a warm welcome to our first-time visitors and to all of the participants in this morning's celebration. Now please join us for 30 seconds as we ground ourselves in silence.
1: In this very room. So I invite you to take a deep breath in your
0: own time, in your own way. But in Breathing Deep, we access and activate the heart center and the, and the core center. Simple thing to do, but how many, how many deep breaths have you taken today as I ask myself that question? But as we breathe in life, as we open the heart center and in in our intuitive center, that, that gut feeling, that intelligence center, as well as our minds love is able to wash through us. And so what I know for myself in this moment is that I am an open clean hollow vessel as Ralph Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, be a clean hollow vessel. And in that invitation the divine presence moves in and through and as me, that one life, that one power, and I know this for you as well. So this breathing is not just sustaining life, it is inviting life, it is welcoming life. We become the opening for life with a capital L guided, directed, enhanced that the the chemical makeup of our being is transformed in this as we partner with spirit in a beautiful, powerful way and love leads the way. Love is that highest vibrational frequency of the infinite. Seeking expression, seeking a place to be realized, transformed and expressed. So in this moment, in each moment hereafter, I take a stand for love this day. I take a stand for joy, for health, for abundance, for wisdom, clarity, certainty that I am in partnership with Spirit at the most beautiful level possible for myself and possible for you. So I know as we share the words of music and the fellowship today that something amazing is happening, that we are inviting heaven on earth. As this beautiful teacher once said, it is upon the face of the earth and we do not see it. Well I choose to see it this day and I invite you to see it with me and for this I give thanks knowing we have everything we need I give thanks beforehand for a powerful day not just intellectually but at that heart center at that intuitive center and to know that the transformation of consciousness is having its way by means of you and I individually and collectively and we share that love that wisdom that peace that clarity that possibility with one another as we allow it to wash through us. For this, I give thanks, and I invite you to say with me, and so it is. How you doing? Good. Big game today. Somebody told me when I got up, I had to put uh, Baileys in my coffee today, so I'll see how far this gets me, but I'm ready. Yeah. yep, Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to, Dave just said, you go going to the game for sure. And I said, well, I think I'm going to just enjoy it from the confines of my living room. The restroom is only 10 feet away. And at my age, I really appreciate that. It's kind of, it's kind of one of the deal breakers for me. I've been to the game. I'm a seasoned vet. The seats are not heated? Well, imagine that. I thought they were all heated seats over there. Anyway. All right, enough about that. Jim O'Neill dragged in his sleeping bag. He said, I'm ready for the game. <laughs> He's got all this stuff with him. Way to go, Jim. Appreciate it. He's ready. It's a double wide in case anybody has a ticket and wants to join Jim. <laughs> Keep you even more warm. All right, so we're talking about adversity, speaking of, of brisk weather. The adversity gift. And it's inspired by Dr. Uh, Eric Butterworth's uh, beautiful uh, work. In uh, spiritual economics it 's a classic book and, and uh, it 's so beautiful and, and I was, I was uh, floating around the internet and looking for illustrations and stories that inspire it and, and you know the world has got so many amazing people that have have met adversity and and used it to forge their identity and there 's a beautiful young lady by the name of amy, amy mullins and i don 't have a picture of Amy. But she's a young, beautiful, and she's very tall because she's had her legs amputated at the knees. As a child, she was born with no shin bones and her feet were disformed and moving in different directions or heading in different directions, and a few toes is on each foot. And so the doctors amputated her legs, and she tells the story of being in the... And so she, they told her mother, well, she'll never walk and she'll never have a normal life. And um, so... As things moved along, and and so she was in physical therapy. She tells this beautiful story of being in physical therapy, and the doctor, uh, because she hated working out. She just did not want to have to do all the exercises, and they were very painful for her. But her doctor came in one day and said, Amy, you are so amazing, and you are such an incredibly strong young girl. She's five years old at the time. And and he said, you are so strong that one day you're going to break these bands that you're exercising with. That's how strong you are. And she thought, wow. And he said, and when you break the ban, I'm going to give you $100. And she said, holy cow, you know, I'm five, six years old. I'm going to be not only the strongest little girl on the ward, but I'm going to be the richest little girl on the ward. And she talks about, you know, the motivations along the way and the, and the, little, the little things she extracted. But anyway, now she's a championship uh, Paralympic runner. She's got prosthetic legs from the knees down. She's very statuesque and very beautiful. And she does, a, she does a keynote speech that uh, has touched many lives, talking about meeting adversity. But, and what she says in this address, which I think is so, so uh, important around this, this idea of adversity, is that conflict is the genesis of creation. And so it becomes a gift in our lives if we allow it to be a gift and we allow it to, to guide us and nurture us and inspire us. She said, transformation and adaptation are our greatest human skills. And until we are tested, we don't know what we're made of. I think that's true. Until we are challenged, we don't know. And until we're confronted with our, our, our deep, deepest, darkest fears, we don't know how we'll respond and how we'll step up. And so they're there as a gift. And she said, you know, she, they told her she would never be normal. And she said, there is no normal. Who wants to be normal? Do you want to be beige your whole life? Anybody here signing up for beige? Monochromatic, you know, you go into the, the uh, model homes and everything is color-coordinated beautifully. There's no normal. She said, there's typical and there's common, but there's no normal. And you don't want to be average. I don't want to be average. Average is just a statistic. It's for groups, as Mary he said. You want to be part of a group? I'm not part of a group. I'm me. And if I line up with some groups and someone decides to measure me, great, but it has nothing to do with me wanting to measure up to the group. In, in fact, she was saying in her, in her talk that the Neanderthals, there's research now that the Neanderthals would carry their elderly, that they honored the, their elderly because they, they loved their wisdom and they appreciated who they were and what, what brought that the generation. And so they would carry them wherever they went and, and care for them. And they would treasure them. So what I love about our, what, this philosophy and this teaching is that we are, in the, we are in the call or the opportunity to continue to educate ourselves. And to educate is to bring forth what is within. What potential do you and I want to bring out? And so at the, this idea of adversity and how to reverse financial adversity. Because adversity is many forms. It takes on many, many uh, areas of life. For Amy uh, Mullins, it's the, her challenge is physically. But adversity is a... It's truly a gift in our lives because it challenges us to stretch and to grow. I'm going to try this. Wow, that worked really good. So now I don't have to turn around and see what slides up there. Charles Darwin said this. Remember, you all know who Charles Darwin was? He was the guy that came along with the theories about the evolution of, of species. And a lot of his, his research is, is spot on. It is not the strongest of the species that survive, nor is it the most intelligent that survives. It is the one... Who is the most adaptable to change? It is the one who it the most adaptable to change. You know what I meant. It's the one that is the most adaptable to change. And so, are you and I adaptable to change? Uh, uh, Butterworth talks about in this this chapter on adversity is that you know we're inundated with information about, uh, especially economically. You know what's happening now, and there's been an election in the states, and it looks like they're going to build a pipeline, and on and on and on and on and on. And all that stuff is. All that stuff is is based on numbers and statistics and that, and that head and that linear thinking. And for some it's, you know, it, and so what they would like us to believe is that our good is contingent upon those conditions. When in fact what Butterworth is saying and all the great teachers have said along, along the line is that consciousness creates circumstances. Consciousness creates circumstances. Amen. when we get that and we live from that, life is just, there's a freedom in that to realize, yeah, 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 I get that, I get that. You know, oh, you know, it's, a, it's the... You know, it's the economy and the measurements in the economy, and most people buy into that. And there are, there are circumstances that we don't control, but we do control the way we interact with it. Someone said to me the other day about something, about the, the trend of something going down, and I said, well, it's like the ocean. It, the, the tide comes in, the tide goes out. And if you see it from a perspective, a, a little larger perspective, you understand, okay, it looks like maybe the tide might be going out for a while and then the title come back in. But it's not linear, it's not a straight line. And we understand that and we put ourselves in a position when we nurture ourselves in, uh, in consciousness to understand that and be grounded in that, you know, it's a beautiful thing. What's that next slide? There it is, good. I clicked it and then I had a slide here and I'm like, hmm, is that the next slide or not? As as Butterworth said, the greatest discovery of the new insight and truth is that consciousness is the key to all things which happen to us. Certainly the key to personal prosperity. So how are we interacting? What are we buying into? And it's been wonderful to be able to do this workshop on Saturdays with a group of you that decided to wanted to do three weeks of looking at this a little more um, uh, deeply. But truly, consciousness really does determine our level of prosperity. And the consciousness that we are in the moment, in this time, the conditions in our life, the experience we're having is, is based on our consciousness. Because we have been, we have been, we've bought into ideas, we've accepted certain hypotheses and ways of approaching it that, that can do nothing more than express in our experience. So it's not something we get. This whole idea of getting and getting and getting, it's not, it's not getting something, but altering the inner states of mind that block the natural flow of life. He says to switch, many people say I have a problem, and he says switch it to I have a project. Whatever condition is in your life right now that you'd like to alter, which you'd like to change, and it's, it's, it may sound so kind of silly in a way, but it, when we understand we're here because the nature of life is to grow, it's, it's to, to deal with the, the, the spiritual, uh, the, the problems that show up in our, or the projects that show up in our lives from spiritual poise, success and failure success and failure because none of us have success all the time none of us have failure all the time and there's growth there's a there's a learning in the failure and there's a learning in the success so as he said do not end up being captured by it nothing is a complete loss as he says life is a growth experience so Laura and I were in uh, Houston this last week. We went down for some training on. It was amazing and wonderful and, and just so perfect for where we are as a community. And it was around prosperity. It was around how, as a community, people have gone before us, and um, done amazing things. And it was incredible. Oh, this room was, uh, we were in a room. There was a 100 Methodist ministers and four new thought ministers, and Laura and I were two of them. And I got to tell you, it was great. There was one guy that came up to me, and he said, uh, we're eating lunch, and we eat lunch with different people every day, and he was an elderly man. Now, I went to a Methodist university, so I had an in with these guys. You know, I would throw that card around a little bit. <laughs> I went to, I, I, I had enough of the Catholic education. I did the first 13 years, and I honor and love them, and have nothing but great things to say about that, but I just felt like I wanted to have a different experience, and so I was playing football in junior college, and the Methodists showed up, and I said, yeah, I am gonna go hang out with a Methodist for a while, see what this is all about. Anyway, and his name was Sanford, and Sanford said, Patrick? And I, I said, yes, and he said, I know you. I said, wow, I don't think we've ever met. He says, I read Science of Mind magazine, and I've read you. What do you write about in there? And I said, oh, isn't that sweet? And they all knew about us, and they all read, not all of them, but a lot of them read Science of Mind magazine, and I sat next to this beautiful lady named Ginger. And Ginger had been a member of the Seattle Center for Spiritual Living, and studied with Kathy Ann Lewis, and she said, I took the roots class, your, your course, the roots class? I said, yeah, I know that class. So I took that, and she said, I realized that I longed to go back to my Methodist roots. I said, isn't that a beautiful thing? I sat next to her, and she said, oh yeah, I know all about you guys, and she named all them well-known ministers, and on and on and on, and it was a lovely, lovely experience, and they talked about, they talked a lot about, as the spiritual leader, a, a, a vision, and we had our, we had our millennials up here this morning, that's an age group, our young adults, or older, older teens or young adults, and Saskia is one of them, wherever she is, she's, she's you know, she was our, she's our presider today, and, and uh, just a lovely presence, and it talked about what's happening. And you know, they use different language. You know, they, they're, they're very much enrolled in uh, this, this, this uh, that our lives are anointed by the presence of Jesus Christ. And so for me to listen to it, I realized, you know, they're just saying the Christ consciousness. They're just saying embody the Christ God. I mean, it was like, man, these, these people are saying the same thing we are. And they talked about through this, we transform the world. I mean, and, and, and so our opportunity... More and more is what I know, and the wonderful thing about adversity in our lives is that when we have the tools to understand that who we are and what we are, that we are the individualized expression of spirit, so how do I go about realizing that more? How do I go about having the poise, the spiritual poise in the, in the face of, of success and failure in my own life? And they talked about a compelling vision, and I thought, you know, there's no greater honor than to participate in supporting one another, in giving birth to that consciousness, to creating the space of newness where spirit can be expressed in ways that we can't even imagine. You know, we keep looking at the finite measurements. Once again, the world will tell you there's only so many natural resources, there's only so much, there's only so much gasoline, there's only so much natural gas, and we've fought wars over it, and we, you know, we go back and forth politically and on all the stuff that goes on with that. But you know, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, electricity existed. It was only a few, I don't know, what, 100 years ago when somebody said, hey, I think we can use this force for something other than just, it's random floating out there. All of a sudden, electricity is a way of life for us. Lights our homes, some of it, it heats our homes, it cooks our food for many. You know, it it powers our cordless devices, all that stuff. And... What I know about this at the end of the day for myself, what, what brings me to life with, with spiritual practice, spiritual community, is that I know that as I continue to do my own house cleaning, my own inventory around what beliefs do I carry, am I buying into the conditions out there, or am I, am I realizing that those are, the, those are facts, those are facts in life, that the, the gross national product for whatever country is a fact, because they measure it that way but it's not my gross national product. It's just a number. And so the more that I can become clearer and clearer and clearer, I become a a space for newness and opportunity to show up. I become an opportunity for becoming clearer and more standing in faith, standing in the faith of knowing. As Butterworth says, faith is not believing in something. Faith is turning something on. It's a knowing. It's click, clipping the switch. There's a cartoon I want to show you. It says, sigh. I think we're going to miss the deadline. She says, come on, be positive. Okay, I know we're going to miss the deadline. <laughs> That's not the kind of certainty I'm talking about. But, you know, it's, obviously she has faith in that. So, the next slide says we have erroneously thought of success as getting there. While actually success is earning the right to be there. And earning means learning. Earning is simply learning and growing and stretching and understanding whatever the conditions are. There's something there for me to understand and for something for me to know. There's something here that's growing me. Amy, um, Amy Mullins, the the young lady who was talked about at the beginning, the Paralympic champion. Uh, if you get a chance to watch, look at her TED talk, it's it's brilliant. And she talks about that her doctor was not on duty the morning she was born, and she's standing in line at the grocery store, and and. Uh, Uh, she hears this voice say, Amy Mullins. And she turns and looks and doesn't know who this guy is. And he said, I was the doctor on duty the night you were born. I was the doctor that had to go to your mother and tell her you would never walk. You would never be normal. And he said, and now she said, I've watched your career. I've watched you uh, run marathons or run whatever her event is. I'm not sure what I think, but she's a runner. I've watched everything you've done all your life. And she said, every time I read something, she says, I have a scrapbook at home about you. Every time I read it, you, you, you continue to prove me wrong. You know, this, this idea of, of adversity. But it is the, it, it, the success of getting there. We never get there. Where are we getting to? When do we go, Ha! Ah, you know, I'm there. I got this thing down. You know, I just want to think I got, I got my spiritual practice down and I'm, I'm living in the Christ consciousness more than ever before. And then something happens. I'm like, oh, golly.
1: Hmm.
0: Look at this. And, and we all have a choice. We all can say, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to continue. I'm going to explore this. I'm going to look at why this triggers me, why I react the way I do, or I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give up. And for most of us, you know, it's a, it's, giving up is not an option. Sometimes you take a break. That's okay to take a break. But it's, it's not getting there. It's earning the right to be there. And earning simply means learning. Learning, learning, learning. So I went to these four intensive days in, in Houston. It was beautiful. So the vision, you know, what is, what do we do here? And and why do we give here? Why? And it talked about is, is why the consciousness be beneath the ask and how to do it well. And I just thought, oh, my God, this is just so amazing. It is to create. We would call it creating heaven on earth. And we do it through. And part of it is, it's, it's, you see, it's praying and meditation is no different than asking for what is possible. And when we join together in it as a community, it's so potent. I showed a wonderful video yesterday in, a, in our a workshop. It was a 20-minute video on John Haight, and he was describing how we, we long to come together as a group and have an experience. And we get to decide whatever experience that is. But as a group of, of, of creative, uh, cultural creatives on the planet, at the end of the day, it's how can we express love? How does love wash through us? How does love want to be expressed here? Because that's the nature of the infinite. And how can we, we, ca- how can we learn to earn to st- that earning, which is the learning to stand in that love? And when we stand in it together... They did a little presentation there in the, one of the breakouts talking about the millennials. And the millennials were up here this morning leading meditation. If you were, they're here Saskia and, and Jesse and Olivia or Elizabeth. Let's see, you two. But Elizabeth, they sat here. Those are millennials. And the millennials don't, don't they're not motivated the way that I was motivated. They're much more community oriented, they're much more about. You know, I was, I was raised that, man, if you're going to do it, do it, you do it on your own. You know, you'd be the self-made person and non, 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 all that stuff. And that was that consciousness. You know, we came, we were the baby boomers. And then all of a sudden, these millennials are showing up and, and they have a whole different grace and beauty and possibility. And what I realized is, as we, do, as we do our house cleaning, as we create the wake that they can step in behind us, they have the opportunity to take and give, continue to give birth to heaven on earth. And, and heaven on earth doesn't mean that, that everything is easy and, and wonderful and beautiful. It just means that when we meet those, those obstacles in our lives and those challenges in our lives, there's an, a learning that can happen there that is, that is a bit more clear, it's a bit more effective. That, that the tendency is not then to spin down into the, into the sadness and the sorrow or the defeat to give up. And it is truly, at the end of the day, as Butterworth says, and we know this, but in spiritual economics, you are still an inlet and you may become an outlet to all there is in God, to all there is in spirit. All that really counts is what is happening within you and I today. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing words with you, but what I'm very aware of is what's happening within me while I'm sharing with you. What's happening, what's alive right here and right now? As I'm sharing with you. I have a wonderful video I want to share with you, a man named S- uh, Solomon. It's a
2: TED talk. In uh... Corinthians, anyway, when you... I am weak, then I am strong. In 1988, I went to Moscow to interview artists of the Soviet underground, and I expected their work to be dissident and political, but the radicalism in their work actually lay in reinserting humanity into a society that was annihilating humanity itself, as in some senses Russian society is now doing again. One of the artists I met said to me, we were in training to be not artists, but angels. In 1991, I went back to see the artists I'd been writing about, and I was with them during the putsch that ended the Soviet Union, and they were among the chief organizers of the resistance, to that putsch. And on the third day of the putsch, one of them suggested we walk up to Smolenskaya, and we went there, and we ranged ourselves in front of one of the barricades, and a little while later, a column of tanks rolled up. And the soldier on the front tank said, we have unconditional orders to destroy this barricade. If you get out of the way, we don't need to hurt you, but if you won't move, we'll have no choice but to run you down. And the artist I was with said, give us just a minute, give us just a minute to tell you why we're here. And the soldier folded his arms, and the artist launched into a Jeffersonian panegyric to democracy, such as those of us who live in a Jeffersonian democracy would be hard-pressed to present. And they went on and on, and the soldier watched, and then he sat there for a full minute after they were finished and looked at us so bedraggled in the rain, and said, what you have said is true, and we must bow to the will of the people. If you'll clear enough space for us to turn around, we'll go back the way we came. And that's what they did. Sometimes, forging meaning can give you the vocabulary you need to fight for your ultimate freedom. Russia awakened me to the lemonade notion That oppression breeds the power to oppose it, and I gradually understood that as the cornerstone of identity. It took identity to rescue me from sadness. The gay rights movement posits a world in which my aberrances are a victory. Identity politics always works on two fronts, to give pride to people who have a given condition or characteristic, and to cause the outside world to treat such people more gently and more kindly. Those are two totally separate enterprises, but progress in each sphere reverberates in the other. Identity politics can be narcissistic. People extol a difference only because it's theirs. People narrow the world and function in discrete groups without empathy for one another, but properly understood and wisely practiced. Identity politics should expand our idea of what it is to be human. Identity itself should be not a smug label or a gold medal, but a revolution. I would have had an easier life if I were straight, but I would not be me, and I now like being myself better than the idea of being someone else, someone who, to be honest, I have neither the option of being nor the ability fully to imagine. But if you banish the dragons, you banish the heroes. Mm-hmm. And we become attached to the heroic strain in our own lives.
0: So Solomon, and I can't think of his last name right now, uh, beautiful, and it's near and dear to my heart because I, I have a son that's gay, and, uh, and his journey has been such an inspiration for me. So it's, it's very close to me as a dad and me as a human being on this planet. And what I love about our teaching, what I love about what we offer, is, it, is to continue to expand the perceptions and to look at one another with new eyes. He talks about. He talks. I can't tell it right now, so I'll just tell you about it. But he talks about his experience growing up being gay and, and what that did for him. And what he talks about is how it shaped him, how it forged his identity, and how he and he researched this. It became his research. It became his life. And and so, you know, we are pushing the envelope as metaphysicians, as as, as spiritual beings upon this planet. And we are only limited by our consciousness. And so when I hear this man uh, stand up and talk about uh, his experience, it's such an inspiration. He said, if we banish the dragons, then we banish the heroes. So this adversity is showing up in our lives, whatever it may be, financially, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it may be, so that we can stand up and be the heroes in our own lives, so we can forge the consciousness, so we can go to work in a way that is powerful and meaningful and impactful. Ernest Holmes, one of my favorite sayings by Dr. Holmes is, there's no private good. And science is proving this now at the quantum level. We are all connected. And man, if we're, if we're limiting our empathy, if we're limiting our capacity to be, to be kind and loving and supportive of one another, it diminishes us or it enhances us. I have a, a slide here. It says, when you're grounded in the field of limitless substance, Then you may be broke, but you can never be poor. We are always grounded in the limited substance. And the only reason it becomes unlimited substance, the only reason it becomes limited, is because of our perception. Next slide. Life isn't about finding yourself, life is about creating yourself. We're creators. We've been given this gift of choice, of taking responsibility for the conditions in our life and going, look what I've created so far. And look what's possible, and look what inspires me. Look what I'm called to. When I, I sat with those ministers and I listened to possibility, and listened to how you know people that would confronted things that looked so meager and, and impossible, and were able to invite and create a consciousness and a, and a vision that is so compelling that everyone gets a chance to participate. So when we give, wherever we give our gifts, I believe it is so important to give with the intention that to, to know and take. This is how we take a stand to give birth to heaven on earth, and heaven within ourselves. Wonderful poem by Hafiz that's just, I I love. Amy Amy, um, Mullins shared this in her talk at the end. She said, this is one of my favorite poems. The God who only knows four words. Every child has known God. Not the God of names, not the God of don'ts, but the God who only knows four words. Come dance with me. Come dance with me. We're all you know what it takes to create the pearl. It takes a little bit of sand, a little bit of friction, a little bit of adversity, so that we can give birth to, we can develop the hero within all of us. That person that we're proud of, that person that does the right things when no one else is looking, just not because we're trying to impress one another, but because we're so connected to the source of our being and, and giving birth to that that there's just no doubt about how we proceed in integrity, and in love, and in generosity of spirit. Amy Amy um, Mullen said that the only true disability is a crushed spirit. The only true disability. To crush a spirit, to withdraw hope, to deflate curiosity, to promote inability to see beauty, to deprive imagination. We're here to make heaven on earth a possibility. And so our support collectively and energetically in resources, in in care is an opportunity for that to happen. So I thank you so much for being part of this movement of the cultural creatives on this planet that are inviting and welcoming heaven on earth. And so it is.